This podcast is sponsored by Zondervan Bibles, featuring the new NASB Journal the Word Reference Bible. Let Scripture explain Scripture and reflect on what you learn. Listen for more at the end of today's program. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. I think we have to regularly remind ourselves that these means are gifts from Christ himself. And because he knows what is best for his people, he has given this gift to them. Hello, welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined as always by James Dalzell. James, how are you? Good. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. And it's good to be here with our guest. We have uh, today the privilege to speak with Ryan Davidson. Ryan is the pastor of Grace Baptist Chapel in Hampton, Virginia. But we want to talk with him today about his recent book entitled Green Pastures, a, a primer on the ordinary means of grace. So, Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. This book on the ordinary means of grace, I, I wanted to to kind of introduce this idea to our listeners. I think many of them will be familiar with what we mean when we say the ordinary means of grace, but but let's just walk through it step-by-step step here at the beginning. What do we mean when we talk about a means of grace? Let's, let's deal with that before we get to the ordinary part. Sure. Uh, I think um, a means of grace is, is a mechanism or an instrument that the Lord uses to nurture his people in the grace that Christ has wrought for them. Uh, And so um, I think that would probably be the the most succinct definition of a means of grace. So now expanding on that, the ordinariness, it's an ordinary means of grace, because obviously the Lord can use all kinds of instruments to teach us and cause us to grow. So what are you talking about when you say the ordinary means of grace? One of the challenges with the word ordinary is that at at least in some segments of our population or our our world today, the word ordinary almost means uh, kind of mundane, simple. But when we say ordinary, we mean the regular means that Christ, uh, the risen, ruling, and reigning uh, Lord and shepherd over his church, uh, has given to us for regular use that we we come to uh, where we ought to expect um, his work in our lives. And so ordinary means these are the regular, these are the, the regularly occurring means. The word ordinary is on the title of your book. So it just kind of sounds like, nah, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a book about or- ordinary means. I, I want to talk about some of the particular ordinary means that you discuss in the book, but I, I wonder if you could say before we get into that, why why is this something good? I mean, couldn't you have done just a little better and written on the extraordinary means? Uh, why is this something that we should be seeking or desiring? Shouldn't ordinary be what we're not trying to be as Christians? Are there advantages to understanding the ordinary means of grace that are unique to them, maybe over against extraordinary? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, one of the things that, that I seek to flesh out in the book are the benefits to the idea of the ordinary means. You know, uh, we live in a day where churches are going to the extraordinary, to the things which are, you know, outside necessarily. They may not be sinful in and of themselves, but they're outside of uh, what the scripture gives us as those things which are 
regularly to be sought by believers and by churches uh, as the chief means that the Lord uses. The definition for ordinary means of grace that I utilize in the book is this, quote, the instruments Christ ordinarily uses to birth and strengthen the faith of the elect as he is present among them. The reason for that word ordinary is uh, these are the means which the scripture says that Christ has ordained and that when we come to them in faith, we should expect spiritual blessing. Um, and so I think that turns the word ordinary into regular good. Uh, these are the things we ought to, to come to frequently and often. I wonder if part of it is just the uh, sensationalism of our culture, you know, whether you're watching action hero movies or something like their superhero movies, there's a kind of, um, there's always a, um, a one-upping the thing that went before, but uh, maybe like we all know that you can burn out on sensationalism um, and life after the sensation is over, after the, um, you know, the buzz of whatever that is, is over. Um, there's still life to live week in and week out. And I'm thinking particularly of when it comes to means of grace, how God fortifies the saints, sometimes in particular in extraordinary ways, but there's also a provision for the long haul. The kinds of things you can expect to be there strengthening you this week and next and the one after that and after that. Yes, yes. These are the, the means or this, this is the meal that the Lord has ordained for us. Uh, and we often look for all kinds of other snacks when the Lord in his graciousness has given us a dependable set of means which he promises to use among us. Strikes me that this kind of teaching, and I thought this when I was going through your book, is is a tremendous encouragement to pastors because so much of what pastoral work looks like on a week-to-week basis does seem to fall under the category of ordinary things. You're doing those things that the Bible outlines for you, and yet there are voices out there that would suggest that this is you know, subpar, that this should be a discouragement to you. But one of the real encouragements behind this is that these things are accompanied by the promises of Christ to teach and to build up his people and to teach and build up his church. So I think that for both uh, pastors and congregants, uh, what an encouragement this is, that with these regular things, um, God is at work doing this grand kingdom work of building his church. Jonathan, I thought in in your response to that and what Ryan's getting at here, by ordinary, we don't mean non-supernatural or non-exceptional or um, impotent in any way or without power. These are extraordinary in the sense of they are attended with a promise and a power that is unique to these means, but they're ordinary in the sense of they're the recurring regular staples. Maybe we could get into some of these in particular. Ryan discusses a number of them in different chapters of the book. Ryan, what are some, and this isn't uh, looking for a, a summary of the entire work, but for our listeners and those that we want to encourage to pick up the book, what are these ordinary means that we're talking about? When I speak of the ordinary means of grace, uh, I think in line with uh, most, if not all the Reformed tradition, we mean uh, that They are the things that arise from scripture that we have been speaking about, namely preaching, prayer, and sacraments. 
And there are other means that the Lord uses to uh, strengthen and increase the faith of his saints, but the regular preaching of his word, uh, the regular seeing of it in visible signs um, as Christ is among his people in the, in the sacraments or ordinances and, and uh, prayer, uh, both private prayer, but also specifically the, the, the public prayers of the, the, the gathered saints on the Lord's day. And so that's what I'm addressing in the book is, is really simply preaching prayer and sacraments. As you've um, served in pastoral ministry, why is it that people are, are tempted to be drawn away from that into, into something, something other than, than those biblical means that are given to us? I think there are at least a couple reasons that I can think of. Uh, some have lost uh, kind of a theological understanding of it. Uh, perhaps in some segments of, uh, of Protestant evangelicalism, it's uh, the diminishing of the use of, of confessions. Uh, we, we just don't train people anymore uh, in what these things are. Um, in some sense, uh, in, or in certain segments of, of Christianity, it could be that people are trying to uh, increase numbers, uh, perhaps targeting the lost in their Lord's Day gatherings uh, almost exclusively. And so these things, if I could say it this way, kind of get in the way of doing that, at, at least it seems. Um, those are at least two things that I think perhaps at least in the West, specifically in America, may be reasons why we've lost the special regular of the ordinary means of grace. There's this, in our culture, a celebration of invention, and we're all the beneficiaries of certain inventions and progress, or perhaps we're the victims of some inventions and progress, but nevertheless, there's a fascination with invention. But I imagine if someone were to ask you, you know, Ryan, what do you plan to be doing in your church 10 years from now? You would probably answer, um, preaching, praying, administering sacraments, so that it sounds, it almost sounds like to the modern ear, ordinary means of grace sounds like a, a lack of vision, a, a lack of progress. So what I want to say in that respect is how can we understand as an anti-growth strategy, but is there a way to talk about means of grace as actually a means for a certain kind of progress um, and that they are in fact a means to a certain kind of growth? Yes. Um, I hope by God's grace, what is said of me 10 to 20 years from now, if the Lord wills that I'm still in ministry in this local church context or, or another one, is that I'm still faithfully administering uh, the word and sacrament. Um, and I think to your point, uh, James, I think if we view these as the things which the Lord Christ has said he is going to use, then as people come to appreciate them, as they are performed in, in biblical ways and people are increasingly preparing for them week in and week out, and it becomes the rhythm of the church, I think there's a deepening among the saints. And so the growth, perhaps even exponential growth, uh, it may be numerical, but it could very well be that there's a deepening in, in the individual members walk with, with the Lord. So we can, maybe we can pitch it that way. Ordinary means, unoriginal means as a means for the growth and progress of, of the, the spiritual maturity of the congregation. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Ryan, one of the arguments that I often heard, I think, for, for a number of years 
against this approach to ministry. And it, it's a fairly superficial argument, but was something like, well, if that's all we do, then we're going to just naturally look at it as a sort of ritual or a, 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 we're just going through the motions, in other words. So how does someone who is persuaded biblically of the ordinary means of grace, either a minister or even, even a congregant, how does, does someone in that position guard against this becoming a kind of rote uh, mechanical observation of duties? That's a good question. I think we have to regularly remind ourselves and be reminded that these means are gifts from Christ himself, and that because he knows what is best for his people, he has given this gift to them. And when I approach them, when I, when I know that I'm going to be hearing a sermon or coming to the Lord's table, or that there's going to be a baptism in, in the Lord's Day gathering, that we're going to pray week in and week out, that I should expectantly, uh, even before the Lord's Day, be prayerful and, and asking of the Lord that he would uh, use these means the way that he has, has promised that he would and that he'd prepare my heart for the, the, the feast and gift that they are. Um, because I think if we don't do that, then it, it has the potential of becoming simple. Yeah, it's just what we do. Uh, there's nothing special. When really, these are, in one sense, the most special things in all of the universe. What were some of the uh, sources that you found most helpful? Obviously, you're, the case that you make is that these are biblical commands, biblical promises. This is all rooted in scripture. But were there books that you found yourself going back to over and over again that in a particularly helpful way articulated some of your thinking and some of the theology behind what you write here? Uh, certainly. There's an order here, I guess. Uh, a lot of writers coming out of the Reformation were helpful. Those uh, men of bygone eras, you know, uh, J John Calvin's work, just in the Institutes, his discussion there, or even uh, Herman Bavink, as he talks about the means of grace, I quote him some there, and even more modern uh, individuals. Uh, I also draw in some of the early particular Baptists, uh, partially because uh, I'm, I'm writing this book to any, any church person, but specifically to those maybe like myself who grew up in a very broad Southern Baptist setting who may not have heard these kinds of things, uh, who might be encouraged to dig back into them when they see that early Baptists, uh, particular Baptists, we might call them Reformed Baptists now, but early Baptists believed wholeheartedly in these things. Uh, so there's some quotations there. And then, you know, even modern writers, I think Richard Barcellus's uh, little book, More Than a Memory, specifically on the Lord's Supper, was, was very helpful. So I guess books both new and old. Well, Ryan, thank you for your writing. This is, uh, I think, a helpful book. We commend it to our listeners. And thank you also for giving us some of your time today. The book just again is by Ryan Davidson and it's entitled Green Pastures, A Primer on the Ordinary Means. Ryan, thanks. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. James, it was good to have Ryan on here. His, his book is one that we've been talking about for a while and we've been uh, hoping to have a chance to interview him. And I know you found the book especially helpful. Yeah. And I think 
congregants will as well. I think it's a reminder of why um, sort of a quest for the sensational is not necessarily a strategy for Christian growth, but the strategy for maturity and for and for growing up complete in Christ um, is regularly administered through uh, the word preaching of it, prayer, and sacraments. And I think it'll just be a reminder, not just to pastors. I think for pastors, this could be an encouragement that um, there doesn't have to be, you know, as they used to say among the communists, the five-year plan, you know, um, how you're going to remake everything. We, You and I experienced this in academia. The, the, the uh, mantra in academia is basically, how are you changing everything every 12 months? And this is a reminder right. that there are certain essentials to the well-being of the church to which the pastor um, is commissioned. And I think this could be a real encouragement to the abiding value of these and devotion to them. I think for the congregant, this could be I think a real encouragement that if you go to church and what your pastor does is faithfully read the scriptures, preach them, lead in prayer, and I would include singing in prayer as a way of corporate prayer uh, and the administration of sacraments, then that's just right. And I think that would be an encouragement to the believer who sort of burns out on the ordinary to encourage them that, in fact, these ordinary means come with, as you mentioned in the interview, promise and power. The other thing I will say is this is a very short book. This is, this is a book written in, in accessible plain English, amply documented from scripture to support the claims that he makes. At the end of every chapter, there are only five or six chapters in the book. He has a set of, of four or five or six study questions, I think, that could be good discussion material for a Sunday school class or a small group. Um, so it really was made not merely to um, inform pastors, but to be engaged with, I think, by congregants as well. Um, so I think in that respect, people will find it accessible and useful. I think so as well. And if you'd like the opportunity to win a copy of this, you can go to the Theology on the Go page on placefortruth.org, click on the link for this episode, and there'll be an opportunity for you to enter your information and perhaps win a copy of Green Pastures, a primer on the ordinary means of grace by Ryan Davidson. We're grateful to all of you for listening to us today and for joining in these conversations. If you want to contact us, we love to hear from you. If you're able to donate, you can do that at alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org. And as always, Thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. The NASB Journal the Word Reference Bible allows you to record your thoughts next to treasured verses as you cross-reference other scriptures. This single-column red-letter Bible features extra-wide margins, giving you plenty of space to reflect on God's Word and enhance your study. Recognized as the gold standard among word-for-word translations, the beloved New American Standard Bible 1995 edition is now easier to read with Zondervan's exclusive comfort print typeface. Excellent to give as a gift or for personal use, this Bible with your personal writings inside can also become a cherished heirloom to pass on to future generations. Available in black hardcover or brown leather soft, this beautiful Bible lays flat in your hand or on a tabletop. Let Scripture explain Scripture and reflect on what you learn. The NASB Journal the Word Reference Bible from Zondervan. See it now at zondervan.com slash Bibles.